What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting editions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Man, that is one long introduction, isn't it? Uh, Kirk, are you still awake? Kirk, Kirk Bowles, <laughs> the Austin American Statesman columnist, who's been the, who's been at the American Statesman now since uh, 1946. I think it's, this is your anniversary, isn't it? The 60th anniversary, 70th anniversary. I think 60, 70, something like something that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. It's uh, something like that. So, Kirk, what's life like down in that in that cesspool in Austin? Well, I like to call it our little sewage capital of the world here. And what am I talking about? Why don't you tell everybody? Yeah, we can always it. say, what are you talking about? What, but, what, but, what, but, but, Kirk, you go ahead and explain to us the cesspool comment. Okay, well, it all uh, germinated, if you will. <laughs> germinated. Sewage word uh, from a uh, game day broadcast from College Station, live from College Station, which I don't think has ever been confused with a cesspool. I'm just putting that out oh, there. Oh, wait a minute. I, I have an Aggie son. Don't do that. Okay. It has not been confused. And Kirk Herbstreit was kind of pandering to the crowd, and he talked about what a cesspool the Texas football culture in Austin is, and said Texas had chased away Mac Brown, is in the process of chasing away Charlie Strong, and will chase away the next guy. I mean, that's what we do best down here, chase away coaches. And he added, you know, who in his right mind would want the Texas job? Yeah. And Charlie's going to get peace of mind when he is released from what is a cesspool of college football. So he was less than kind, I would say. So let me ask you this. It, uh, do you feel like, that is Charlie talking to Kirk Herbstreit? I would say no. That's okay. just my guess. Okay. Because, uh, as you pointed out in a column, uh, and you kind of knocked down a lot of these points, uh, not that we're being Texas homers here, but first of all, to say that Mac Brown was chased away after how many years was he there? Uh, was it 16, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, it's kind of hard to chase a guy away after 16 years. I mean, to say <laughs> that you're trying to get rid of him. Uh, I, I think we can look at uh, the talent level, as we talked about with Gil Brand on our other our NFL podcast, our Cowboys podcast. Uh, uh, that's pretty much a bare cupboard uh, when, uh, when Charlie came aboard and is only playing just a handful of uh, juniors and seniors. So that, that seems to be kind of a baseless comment. And I would say also and I, uh, that uh, do you get the feeling that there is anybody in the Texas administration or among the big boosters other than, than perhaps Red McCombs who doesn't like Charlie? Does not like Charlie as a person, you're asking? Right. No, I don't think there is anybody that doesn't like Charlie as a person. I include the administration. I include UT staff. I include pretty much universally the media in Austin that covers the Longhorns on a day-to-day basis. I love the guy. I think he's terrific. I, 
you know, after Monday's press conference, he was getting uh, wings in the food line, and I went up to him and asked him how he's holding up, and I said, just want to let you know, Charlie, we know you're not a bad coach, okay? And uh, he's going through a lot of stuff, but, you know, he didn't become an idiot overnight. You know, it took a lot of us longer than a night to become idiots, but... Uh, you know, oh, no, you were right, pretty much right from the very beginning, Kirk. You were you saying you came out of the womb an idiot? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You popped out and... <laughs> no. no. we digress. Yeah. No, nobody, everybody likes Charlie. But, and that's why I was so caught off guard by Herb Street's uh, uh, rhetoric, his fiery rhetoric, that I just thought it kind of came out of left field. And I thought it was totally wrong and baseless. And and, 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 every, here's, and here's the, the biggest point about all that, to say that... Anyone wouldn't want that Texas job. It's just ridiculous. Oh, boy. It's just well, ridiculous. Well, what did Jerry's famous quote, I could get 500 coaches to coach the Cowboys to the Super Bowl? Right. Uh, I can think of, I could probably name you 500 coaches that would want the Texas job, especially if it pays $5 million a year. Now, let's, let's look at so. two different jobs that, uh, let's look at the LSU job. Now, that's a job that people might be hesitant to take, even though it's a great job as well. That's a top five program there. We. Gil, Gil just told us on our uh, our I keep referring to our other podcast, but Gil is does have a lot to do with college talent, and he said he thinks that there is, what how did he put it exactly, Barry? He said there was as much talent in LSU as any other in Louisiana in Louisiana in Louisiana. He I'm said sorry. per capita per capita per yes. capita. Uh, let me take up my notes here because I took notes. He said yeah. per capita that Louisiana turns out more pro football players than any state in the country. That's right. I think that's, that's what, what he, he said. said. He said there are more pro football players in Louisiana. I think it's just what he said. Per just, capita. Was it? I think it was just. No, no, per capita, he said. Say per capita one more time. Oh, you like that, right? Yeah, that's good. You're getting excited. That's good. Anyway, I agree with Barry. Anyway, it's a lot of great players coming out of Louisiana. Uh, and if you can lock up Louisiana, you're doing great. But that is, a, that is a, a, a place where there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of things going on. And you do have to answer to a lot of different people. I'm not sure that I would characterize the Texas uh, system the same way. No, and that's another reason why I thought it was off base, because he was kind of hinting that the boosters run the place, and they don't. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I was as close to Joe Jamel as probably any reporter that I know of, and, you know, I love the guy. I never heard him speak ill will of, of Charlie Strong. Like I said, you know, Red McCombs comments, uh, you know, when he got the job three years ago, were about the only negatives that I ever heard mentioned in public that were printed. I mean, you know, we all know there were probably others, too, that didn't want him hired, that want him fired today. But to say the boosters kind of run the program would be totally false. You know, because if the boosters did run the program, I truly think Nick Saban would be coaching uh, Texas against Iowa State on Saturday and not Charlie Strong because, I mean... I'm not going to name names, but I know the two boosters who were reaching out to him, and I think they were getting close to getting a deal done, but Steve Patterson, the AD, Bill Powers, the president, wanted nothing to do with Jimmy Sexton and Nick Saban, and we're going to hire him. We're going to offer him the job. Jimmy so, Sexton being, I, being Nick's agent, correct? Yes, Jimmy Sexton. He's, the, the, he's the, big, yeah, the, big, the big college agent. And, you know, coach, I mean, head coach's agent, yeah. God forbid a AD and a president make the decision instead of boosters, you know. So, you know, I think it's, you know, patently false to say the boosters are running the asylum well, down here. So you're let saying, that you're you saying that that's another thing we can blame Steve Patterson for, the fact that Nick Saban is not the coach at Texas? 
Yeah, probably. He and Bill Powers. So would the boosters have been right, and would Nick Saban have been a better hire? Absolutely. Did you, did you just coach. ask that question? Yes, he's the best football coach in college history. Yeah, I, that's, that's a great point, because someone asked me that the other day about Alabama, and I said that what Nick Saban is doing now is, is bigger than what Bear Bryant did at Alabama. Oh, I agree. You know, when Bear Bryant was winning championships at Tuscaloosa, how many teams were, quote, eligible to win the national championship? Five, eight? Right. I mean, yeah, there was Boise a... State, Boise State, and Houston, and Western Michigan, and and these teams they never prayer of winning a national championship. Now everybody does. Well, and not only that, you had you you didn't have scholarship limitations back then. You could go and pick off all the guys you wanted. You could keep them from going to other schools. There were just hey, a, James, a lot James of Street. Advantages. I think told me James Street told me he was like the seventh string quarterback when he showed up on campus. Yeah, yeah he did okay. Went twenty and zero. Absolutely. So all right. This is how far that goes down. I mean, at SMU, I can remember uh, 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 Ralph Blunt, uh, who was uh, Pepe's son, uh, who played right. at SMU, and, and, and he told me that his, his freshman year, I, he, I think he said that SMU signed, I believe, 60-something players, and that by the time he graduated, there were 16 left. So that's what that that's amazing? what, and that's at SMU. So you can imagine, you, yep. know, you remember the, the Tony Dorsett when he was a freshman at Pitt? I think they signed 100 players that year. Wow. And that's and that's wow. what would happen back then, and you did have this attrition. You were just doing it though to obviously find out who, to get whoever you could, but also to keep, keep them from players going, away from other schools. Keep them from other schools. No absolutely. question. Absolutely. No question about it. So and, the, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned Louisiana guys. I mean, there's immense pressure in that state to go to LSU. You know, there's to me there's not similar pressure. I mean. Players have been leaving Texas, you know, as long as there have been helmets and shoulder pads. I mean, you know, Oklahoma, where would Oklahoma be without Texas talent? It's just, it's accepted because there are 350 D1 players or 400 in the state of Texas. But in Louisiana, the, the bulk of them go to LSU, and I think families and athletes are in, under tremendous pressure to go there. Well, we can tell you, based on our ballsy cowboy podcast, one player that they were not so interested in from Shreveport was Dak Prescott. Uh, that would have been Dak's second choice. Uh, and Gil Brandt told us that, that he was sitting in on the meeting when uh, they decided on David Ash. They decided, Mac decided on David Ash over Dak Prescott. Yeah. So, you think uh, that could have yeah. changed Texas fortunes a little bit with Dak Prescott instead of uh, David Ash? Hey, they picked Tyrone Swoops over J.T. Barrett, who seems to be doing okay at Ohio State. They didn't, and they didn't pick uh, Johnny Manziel. They didn't take RG three. They didn't take Jameis Winston. So that's the, the line of one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons uh, Mac Brown was chased out of town. Yeah, that's right, and, and should have been chased out of town. That that might be right. the the biggest string of quarterback misses in the history of college football. I can't imagine. Oh, you're leaving that. out Andrew Luck and RG three. I said RG three. He's, I mean, yeah, yeah it, just go it, on down the list. It's unbelievable that that uh, you know. Did you let me ask you this? Because this is what I brought up with Gil. Do you think that uh, after he had Colt McCoy, that for some reason it seemed like everybody he signed after Colt was more like Colt and less like? Although I guess you can say Tyrone Swoops was was another bench young t- uh, type of uh, player, but it just seemed like he was going for a different kind of quarterback. Because why would you turn down these really talented? Uh, players as quarterbacks and go for people like David Ash instead? Well, 
You know, I think part of it, and I'll give Matt credit for this, I think if you tell a kid, I'm only going to take one quarterback, you know, and that's why I can't take you. That was one of the reasons that Trent Richardson, you know, didn't come to Texas. He wasn't offered because uh, they they promised uh, uh, somebody else that they would be the only tailback they took. Uh, you know, in, in, in fairness to Mac, I'd give him a lot of credit for this, is they had Garrett Gilbert, and he was the USA Today Player of the Year, Gatorade Player of the Year, top recruit. And I was right there with him. I thought Garrett Gilbert was maybe the best quarterback I'd ever seen play in high school. You know, Drew Brees was another one, and, you know, he didn't end up coming here either. But, I mean, if you watch Garrett Gilbert play his whole high school career at Lake Travis, he was phenomenal. And even that second half against Alabama and the Rose Bowl guys where he made it competitive until, you know, a few fumbles there at the end, I thought they were in great hands with, with Garrett Gilbert. So that said, he guessed wrong, and, and that never never happened. And uh, whether it's stage fright, not reading defenses or whatever, you know, I mean, everybody makes mistakes on quarterbacks, and there are others you need to get. But, you know, I, I think if, if Garrett Gilbert had been anywhere close to the way uh, everybody thought he was, you know, Mack still might be here. Wow, Matt Brown might still be. Of course, he would still like to be the head coach at Texas, don't you think? Well, sure he would, yeah. I think he'd come back in a heartbeat. He would come back. You think he would come back right now if they asked him? Oh, yeah, I think so. Wow. So we- should they? No. <clears throat> no. You can't go back. You know, you got to move forward. And, uh, you know, we still got a head coach down here, uh, you know, few more games anyway. I don't know how long, but, you know, and I don't think the decision has been made, you know, and that goes back to the lack of support that I had took issue with Kirk Herbstreit so much. They haven't said it's done. You know, they're monitoring and evaluating. I assume that happens everywhere, and even at Kirk Herbstreit's alma mater, I remember they fired Earl Bruce. He won, like, four Big Ten championships, and he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. They fired John Cooper, he won three Big Ten championships. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Of course, he also went two and ten against Michigan. You know, both of those guys got fired, and and they've got a much louder fan base than the Longhorns. I feel. I think if you look at at, at coaches, Barry wanted to ask something, but I'm not going to let him ask a question. If you look at coaches here, now let's look let's look back at the history of Texas coaches since Daryl Royal. Uh, how many of those coaches went on to other jobs? And were successful at those jobs. Well, of course, Daryl never coached obvi- again. They obviously weren't. Fred Akers went to Purdue and, and didn't do well there. No. Nope. Uh, Dave, Dave McWilliams ended his coaching nope. career after three losing seasons in five years. John Makovic. Nope. You know he he, he coached he, after he went, that. Right. Did not do well. Not and Mac well. Brown got out of coaching. So, yeah, th- this is kind of a. As cesspools go, this is kind of a destination cesspool. <laughs> Desti- <laughs> let's have a de- let's, let's let's have a. It's a, not a stepping a, stone. Let's have a destination cesspool. What what a great take us through the rest of the Texas season. How do you see you playing? First out? of all, before you do that, oh. how many wins is it going to take well, to Charlie to keep his job? I think probably eight. I think you know he's got seven games left. I think he's got two know, wins now. Clearly, I think he's got to win five, maybe. If not, probably six. Okay, that was a question I, w- I was getting to. I was being more, a little more general. 
Uh, no, a while ago, you said, oh, we're 10 minutes into the podcast and we haven't even asked the most important question. That was to Gil Brandt, and you yeah. didn't ask the most important question, so I, that was left to me. But take us through the rest of the season, uh, the rest of the Longhorn season. How do you see it playing out? Well, you know, here's the, here's the problem, Barry, is that the signature games are over. You know, Notre Dame, he won that one, and we were all thinking, well, he's turned the corner. He's got this uh, program back on track. And then the two Oklahoma schools, both of them not in Austin, I felt like, well, he needed to split those. He ended up losing both, and he lost Oklahoma State in embarrassing fashion. He lost OU in a very competitive game, but giving up 672 yards is not good for your long-term job security. But but who can he beat the rest of the way? I know Baylor and West Virginia are at the top of the Big 12, but they're not sexy, you know, so... In a way, that hurts him because the signature games are over, but he now has a very flawed Big 12 to contend with. And so it's kind of there for the taking. And so if they really are, you know, turning the corner and Charlie's showing progress, you know, he's got seven games left. He ought to be able to win five. Yeah, and, 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 here's, and here's the thing I'm looking at, Kirk. Even as I was writing uh, my column off that game on Saturday, you know, right. it felt like – they got pummeled. It felt like Oklahoma did whatever they wanted to do. You had a, a, a running back who went for 200 yards. You had a wide receiver who went for 200 yards. You had a quarterback who went for almost 400 yards. That was only the fifth time in FBS history that you've gotten those kind of marks from three different players. At those, So that, that feels like you got killed, and they lost by five points, and, and they were still alive in the very last play of the game. Well, that also tells you Oklahoma's not a great team either, you know. that That's pretty much clear as well. But, but I, I still know, think they're the most have, talented team in the Big 12. I do, too. I don't think there's any question. And I think there's a remote chance they could climb back into the college football playoff picture, you know, because of their name brand, Oklahoma, uh, because if they run the table, you know, they have that going for them. And I, honestly, I give them credit for scheduling Ohio State and Houston. Yeah, they... They got shellacked and didn't win either, but, you know, that's better than scheduling cupcakes like Baylor and just trouncing teams like SMU. And that's right. true, so except I, for the fact that Houston lost to Navy. Don't, and now don't, that, don't leave, that out, don't leave out Northwestern State, the Baylor uh, season opener. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, so, was, that was convincing. So. So, so because of that, though, uh, and, and I'm watching that game, too, and you, and you look at the two quarters. I, I thought really the difference for me and, and just in this game, and nothing against Shane Bouchelle, he's a, he's a true freshman, was the quarterbacks, is that if, if Shane had hit a couple of those throws in the first half, uh, right. in, in particular uh, John Burt running wide open uh, for a touchdown, uh, then, then it's a different game. Uh, and, and Baker Mayfield is, has a lot of experience, and Baker's kind of all over the map. Uh, there are times when he doesn't look very good, and then there's times he looks just unbelievably good. And that he yeah, but, then, but, but to even talk about, you know, just to hear, you're exactly right, Kevin, but to hear it say, yeah, if Jim Michelle hit a couple more passes, they scored 40 points. Right. You know? I mean, the defense for Texas had one three and out the entire game. They had one sack, and that was on the last play of the game where uh, Baker was on a bootleg and bobbles the ball. I don't even think that was a sack, to tell you the truth. He wasn't going to throw the ball. So, I mean, there was no pass rush. There was no pass pressure on Baker Mayfield. He did make a couple mistakes, and he, like you said, he was pretty erratic, too, but... For them to lose by five, 
you know, is just a testament to you know, how good the offense is and can be. I mean, right now, Texas ranks 115th in the nation in total defense, and they rank 118th in scoring defense, giving up 39.6 a game. You're not going to beat people is, like that. Do, is there enough, Charlie knows that. Is there enough talent? Is there the talent there on defense uh, for Texas to, be a be- to have a better defense? Yeah, and what's mystifying, Barry, is the secondary, why they keep getting burned over and over, and why they can't take away you know, the other team's best weapon. Why does D.D. Westbrook want run crazy in the secondary and burn them deep? Why does Chad Hansen for, for Cal you know, go over 100 yards and, and score two touchdowns? You know, I mean, you know, I always thought that was the key to defense. You take away what the other team does best. And then if they still beat you, well, so be it. But, but know, here's, here's just, the thing I didn't understand. It, just what you just yeah. said there uh, that, that I didn't understand in watching that game is that, you know, D.D. Westbrook looked like uh, the best receiver in the country. Looked like Randy Moss. Uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, I, my gosh. I, I looked him up, and, and I didn't. Re- I thought he must be 6'7", uh, you know, run a four-one, and I looked him up, and he's not. He's, 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 he's pretty good, but, but you're but, right. But, but, but you're right. He, I, I, he looked he, like Superman out and there. And here's my point. And, I, and this happens a lot in college football. It's one of the things I don't understand. And I look down there, and there he is lined up one-on-one with somebody. So you, so Didi is killing you, and you're still cu- trying to cover him one-on-one. And, and I know there was a safety that kind of rotated a little bit to that side of the field uh, on the plays I was watching. But it was just phenomenal to me that you would let, a, uh, let that kind of thing happen. I think if you, you had locked him down, if, if you could – then, then you got a chance against them. But, uh, but going back to the point about uh, 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 that I was making about Oklahoma. Now Baylor's got some; they got some good things going on in their offense. They have some really good skill people. I don't think they have the running game. I could be wrong about this, but I don't think they have the running game that they've had in the past. Uh, and they they employed that very well with within their offense. Oklahoma certainly has that. They they've got both ends of it. They got the power running game, and they've got a, a big time uh, passing offense. So that they have everything going on. So the, my point is, is that the 40 points that Texas put up on Oklahoma, I think that might be enough to beat most of the rest of the teams on the schedule. Yeah, I think it might be too. And, and you also got to remember that the OU had two starting linebackers and a defensive end who didn't even play in the game. And, and they lost three quarters of their secondary uh, too. Right, the secondary got banged up during the game as well, including a, a quick. So – you know they were they were, you know that wasn't a great defense to start with. You and I were both at the TCU game where, you know they held off TCU fifty two to forty six. So this isn't a uh, Lucius Dewey Selman type OU defense that we're talking about either. So but nobody else in the league does either, and that's why it it should be a somewhat easy pickings for offenses because that's just kind of the the football that we're playing now, the football that we're seeing now. You're seeing high scoring. I mean, you know, who's, I don't know, K-State plays consistently pretty good defense, but I think Tech, uh, you know, scored a, a ton against them. Uh, so Houston, you, as good as Houston is, what did Navy put up on them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you cited the, the, the Texas defensive uh, statistics and where they rank. I think if we look in that, uh, in that same general area, you're going to find most of the Big 12 teams. They, we are, but Texas is last in, in, in both of them, total defense and scoring, and that's never a good thing. No, I shouldn't, and that's, the, and that's the difference for me is that, okay, it's one thing to say, oh, in the Big 12 it's a passing league and this is what happens. But, but Texas 
should compare with Alabama and with and with uh, you know well frankly any other big time program that is known for its defense. I think Texas should always be there because one of the reasons why they're Texas because they're Texas. Obviously. Well, one of the reasons because look as we've said before. To me, other than a, maybe a quarterback, the hardest thing to find in college football are great defensive linemen, and there there are fewer of those than anything else. And that's and, and that's what Nick Saban goes after. He I think he couldn't care less about a quarterback. He he thinks I'm just gonna need, all I need is a game manager. I'm gonna kill you in the in the defensive line in my front seven on defense. That's how I'm gonna beat you. And and so it, it, it takes the big programs to get those. And and Texas should be one of the big programs getting those kind of players. And you're absolutely right, and that's where the SEC team, teams make their living. They have great defensive lines, LSU, you know, uh, Alabama consistently, Florida. I mean, the great Florida teams when Urban Meyer were there, a great defensive front. They just maul you, shut you down, and, you know, provide a pass rush where you don't have to blitz, you know, two times at every three plays. And, and Charlie came in here with the, the defensive uh, um a tag, you know, he and Vance Bedford. Their defenses were great in Louisville. It wasn't just Teddy Bridgewater. They had excellent defenses over there. That's why it's so mystifying is that, you know, why why can't it why can't it work? Why can't it get fixed? And you know, I'm I'm starting to think, you know, what they really need to do is just go to a prevent defense <laughs> from the from the first first down, I think. I mean just keep them in front of you. I mean, that's the thing. He wants to make Offenses grind it out and go on 16-play drives if they're going to score. But instead, they're four plays and you know, last you know, a minute, a minute and two seconds. And that's what he's got to fix. And I just don't know if he can this late in the year. Well, you, you can go to, to a, I don't know, 100-mile radius of, of Austin, and there's a pretty good defensive lineman at Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. A couple of them, About actually. Four of them. Deshaun Hall and uh, Miles Garrett, okay. the, the and, best bookend yeah. uh, in the country. And there's a, pretty good, there's a pretty good defensive lineman in Houston. Yeah, Ed yep. Oliver. Ed Oliver. Yeah. So, 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 I mean. The, Ed Oliver would make yeah, a huge yeah. difference on this Texas team, I think. I mean, he, he's oh, terrific. No question about it. And he's see, terrific. they don't have difference makers. They have, their defensive line, I thought, was probably their biggest liability, you know, going into the season after the question mark about quarterback and the defensive line has played all right they've uh, gave given a decent account of themselves they, they don't get a great pass rush but paul boyette puna ford chris nelson are all doing decent jobs you know? and uh, it's always been the back end and we're still waiting for malik jefferson to show up but he's really he's playing not, the wrong position he, well we all think he should be on the edge and we've Instead all of metal said linebacker. it written it but, you know, he's not a middle linebacker. And yeah. why they can't put him on the edge, Anthony Weider is actually playing pretty decent, that linebacker. He, he may be having the best year of anybody on that defense. But, you know, I I don't know if he doesn't have the in, instincts as a pass rusher because he has been on the edge uh, 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 quite often. But he just – I don't know what it is, but he's not getting to the quarterback and we're not seeing the Malik Jefferson we thought we'd see. One of the things that Gil also brought up was the fact that, uh, and, and we've talked about this before too, when was the last time Texas had a really good offensive line? Well, they haven't anybody drafted since 2008. You know, I mean, That's I'm not eight years and no David. one drafted. That's unbelievable. Oh, it's incredible. Is that, the mean, longest, that, uh, is that the longest empty streak in, in, since you've been at Texas since like 1946? Oh, yeah. not, even, not even a question. 
not even a question. And and I think the line is really improving. Connor Williams, their left tackle, I think he'll play in the NFL for 10 years. I think he's going to be great. I think Kent Perkins has a chance. I think Patrick Vahe is very good. And uh, I think they're just going to get better. They're only sophomores. Most of those guys I just mentioned are sophomores. You know, so, so I think... They're you know, Charlie recruits. They're Charlie recruits. And, you know, maybe, you know, the whole thing is, okay, what if... We, Charlie has one more year. He's at two top ten recruiting classes. He's found his quarterback. I think that looks pretty obvious. He's got a ton of really good receivers. He doesn't have that go-to feature receiver like D.D. Westbrook for OU right now. But you know, maybe I think Duvernay might be that, though, don't you? Oh, I love Duvernay. I think this is a great set of receivers. Dorian Leonard, he's got an NFL body as a receiver, caught a touchdown against Oklahoma. So, you know, if if some if there's some way Charlie can piece together, you know, five wins in the next seven games, show progress, maybe blow a couple teams out, and then hire a defensive coordinator like John Chavis at A and M, you know, maybe you know they can see the light uh, at the end of the tunnel, and you know, but he's going to have to show he can draw a crowd too, because you start hurting you in the pocketbook there and. Well, Mike Parent has already told us he notices that. As, as, as good a defensive coordinator they have at A&M, I saw Tennessee just walk up and down and run up and yep. down the field on, on the Aggies yep. on Saturday, too. They have, a, they have a real they – they, they, they don't put their foot on the throat of other teams. You know, they, they, they control the games, and then in the fourth quarter against some of these teams, they, they struggle to put teams away. I well, think, it's happened twice, well, I think, twice already this I think, year. I think I read where Alabama maybe has – seven defensive touchdowns this year? You know, I don't know if that was true or not. I heard that on the radio, and I just almost drove off the road. And You know, Texas had one turnover by its defense the first four games. And then Dylan Haynes gets a couple of interceptions. But, you know, they're not forcing turnovers. They're not tackling well in space, and they're giving up the deep ball. Other than that, they've been pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Kirk, it's always great to have you on. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks for you know not asking either Barry or I to be on your podcast. But he hasn't asked you yet. Yeah, actually, I have been on. You, I knew you had. I know he'll yeah. never ask me. He well, that was back before he was getting on Newsmakers because he doesn't like he, Yankees on his podcast. Well, that's I know true. him. Well, who, who does? Who who likes Yankees on their podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little hurt, but I I, I would have thought he would have had you on. No, on no I was on. I was on. I, I, I lied about that. But that was before he started getting Newsmakers like T Boone Pickens and. Bob Bowlesby and Barry Switzer, but, but none of none of those big names are as good as the guests we get on our pod. We got Kirk on our podcast. That's true. That's true. We did better, and we could have had Kirk Herbstreit today, but we said no. Yeah, we're going go. for Kirk Bowles. Absolutely. Hey, we we tried to get Herbstreit, but he said no. He was booked up this week, so so we're going after either Oprah or Obama next. Wow, I like that. That's, those are your second and third choices. I like that. Wow. Very well, good. Well, Excellent. So don't get anybody too good because then the, the rest of the week, all I'll hear is Kevin say, oh, they got they got Barry Switzer this week. <laughs> I'm going to say that oh, anyway. Oh, you know. That's what I'm saying. I'm always worried about Kirk got, and what he's doing. They got doing. T. Boone Pickens this week. That, that's, back, that's, hey, that's back when we worried about people beating us on stuff. We don't care anymore. No, we ju- we'll, we'll just take whatever you have and we'll put it on our website. Yeah, there you and, go. And, and, and like hey, you guys, you guys are the reason we're even doing a podcast. You guys are the godfather of podcasts. Godfather. godfather. I like that. Maybe we can live with that. Uh, Kirk, that thank, okay. again, thanks so much for, for being with us, and uh, we really appreciate it. We'll send and, you a nice gift yeah the gift the, the check will be in the mail and another i just want to say this we had another smooth podcast without evan grant 
There was, you know, it, it said on the intro that he was going to be on here. I, didn't, I wasn't going to be ugly and bring that up, but these are the, the two best podcasts we've ever done. And, Kurt, and, and Evan was on, wasn't yeah, on. But we're about to do a podcast with Evan. Yeah. So. Uh, so the quality is going to go way quality down. Quality will go down, yeah. and Evan, Evan will be. In, in a very fetal position throughout the entire podcast is Rangers. Yeah. By the way, did you know the Rangers lost to the Blue Jays? Has that, that news gotten to Austin? Kirk was there for well, – yeah. he covered two of the games here. Yes, but he was here. I can tell you why he was here, I think. Why? Because they were right, bef- <laughs> right before the Texas OU game. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what so. it was. Hey, the teams I covered went over to three of the Metroplex. So. You know, the, the people I mean, will say that you're a curse. There's no question about but, it. The Kirk curse. And yeah. – to further that argument, I stayed away from the Cowboys just in case that was true, and they pulled out a W over the Bengals. So thank you. You're welcome very much. Well, I do. Now, I want to bring up one last thing, though. You were okay. – your first year on the Texas beat was Daryl Royals last year. That's correct. But I didn't what chase him mean? away. Like he knocked him out of – he knocked Daryl Royal out of college football. <laughs> Talk about being a curse. Was it a blind shot? Was wow. It, did they come from the blind side? Man. I think I think Barry Switzer gets more credit for that than me. Yeah, that's probably true. Our second that's favorite, our true. first favorite Barry. That's right. There Excellent. you go. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks, guys. Have All a right. good one. See ya. You Bye-bye. know he's terrific. He he has a great sense of humor. And and he has a great knowledge of of what's going on in Austin. I want to tell you something about Kirk Bowles, who is uh, sixty five. I think I think Kirk's five years older than me. Oh, was that the whole idea of the podcast today? Just have guests I'm who are older, older than, than us. Now, my point is is that he has unbelievable energy. We talked about Gil Brandt's energy. Kirk has unbelievable energy for his job. I, I've been around him forever, and he's one of You my, looked up to him when you were a kid, you, right? No one ever looks up to Kirk Bowles. He's 5'7". Well, you know five, I mean. uh, But he is, uh, he is, first of all, he's a sweetheart. He's one of the nicest guys I know, and he's one of the hardest workers I know, especially in our business. I and mean, he, he's a guy that... We always used to kid him, and that he would just wear out people he was he was interviewing. He would ask question after question after question after question, and 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 athletes would be looking over Kirk's head at the rest of us, going like, "Come on, help me out here, let me out." And and he is still to this day like that. He gets so excited about the prospects of of getting a scoop, uh, and you know, and he's a columnist there. He doesn't have to do all that work anymore. When you're, that's the great thing about being a columnist. You don't have to work anymore after that. Is, are you telling us your game plan? Is that, is that what you do? Game plan, of course. That's what I'm. That's that's the, that was the whole deal. Be columnist, you just it's a gravy train from here on out. Not with Kirk Bowles. He's the hardest working sports writer I know. Well, thanks, thanks for that endorsement of Kirk. Yeah, I'm sure our bosses are listening because <laughs> they listen to every word. We could have we could have hired Kirk at one time, I think. So, but one of, one of our former bosses. I think it's time him. to say goodbye. Is it time to say goodbye? I think so. Because we still got we, we've got a uh, we we did our Gilbrand. Cowboys, Dak, Prescott, dining uh, podcast. Yeah, and Gil has promised to take a – maybe we could do a podcast when Gil takes us out to eat from the restaurant that he takes us to. That would be perfect. I think we could even get the company to pay for that. We don't need to. We'll get Evan to pay for it. Especially if he goes to a Nick Venus restaurant, which is where they went, where, where Barry went. And Evan is very close to Nick, isn't he? And he? They're very tight. The new, yeah, very. Yeah, All right, so let's say goodbye, Tommy. Take us out. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.